When I was a lieutenant colonel, I was stationed in Hawaii. I was the squadron commander. When I took that assignment, the intelligence squadron was the most losing unit in the state. The careers of deserving young men and women were being impeded, not because they didn't deserve the awards, but because their bosses could not write winning packages. Take care of your people, they take care of you. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Hello, all you crazy happy people. This is Amy Dix with Choose Happy. And today we are unlocking happiness with Carla Bass. She is a retired colonel of the United States Air Force. And she is also the author of Right to Influence. For 45 years, she has composed products for Congress, the White House, ambassadors, and generals. And today we are going to talk about her latest book, Right to Influence. Thank you for being on the show, Carla. Thank you for having me, Amy. Delighted to be here. Yes. You know, I think writing is such a powerful thing that we can do in our lives, whether we consider ourselves a writer or not, there is so much power in words alone. And so what really made you to write this book in the first place? This is where my life changed. When I was a lieutenant colonel, I was stationed in Hawaii. I was the squadron commander, which meant leader of 480 super talented young men and women. When I took that assignment, the 324th Intelligence Squadron was the most losing unit in the state for quarterly and annual professional awards. What that meant is the careers of, of deserving young men and women were being impeded, not because they didn't deserve the awards, but because their bosses could not write winning packages. Mm -hmm. So what I saw is you, Amy, could be the most brilliant second lieutenant or the most talented tech sergeant doing amazing stuff, but because your boss couldn't tell your story, you lose. And, and so, you know, I had to fix it. So I took three days personal time. I sequestered myself in a cabin and I analyzed my writing. It was basically, Carla, you're doing something right. How do you write and how can you teach that to other people? Out of that three-day sequestration came what I called the word sculpting tools. I, I developed a small rough handbook. I taught my guys how to write and we began sweeping the awards. I mean, we took all of them. So the other units came and said, Colonel Bass, can you teach us too? And what, what really astonished me was the, the need. There was a vacuous need for this information. I ended up teaching it for 15 years to thousands of people, wherever my subsequent assignments took me, so did word, word sculpting accompanied me also. I just had no idea how vacuous the, uh, the need was. So what I learned out of that little adventure was my battle cry today, and that is powerful writing changes lives. It is mm. so true, like the sun comes up, the sun comes down. 
Powerful writing changes lives because it will open doors to opportunity to you that would otherwise remain closed. This is fantastic. Well, and, and then the second lesson coming out of that is that powerful writing is the lifeblood for successful businesses. Because if you can't compete well for those contracts, if you can't write the the, the, the winning bid for a grant, uh, if you can't compete your business or your people for the awards, if you can't market your products, I mean, you're, you're dead. So powerful writing is it's a life skill that plays lifetime dividends and it's not being taught like that in schools. And when did you find out that you kind of like had this skill? Because did you have any formal training or did you just no. realize you were really good at it? It was an evolving awareness is the best I can say. When I was a second lieutenant, no, first lieutenant, that's coming pretty much right out of college, you know, like three years in the Air Force, I was assigned as the daily briefer to the director of the National Security Agency. So, which was a, a heady, heady job for a first lieutenant. So that basically meant that from the get-go, I had this ability to write. I didn't recognize the power of it, though, until I was a major. When I was a major, I became a division chief. I was responsible for 30 people. And my father always told me, take care of your people, they take care of you. So I submitted in that capacity, I was submitting my people for, for all these awards and they always won. So I earned the reputation as a major, for, as the, the major with a silver pen. That's where I began to recognize that powerful writing impacts people's lives because you can, you can win awards for them. It's like Rumpelstiltskin, they provided me the straw, but then Rumpelstiltskin spins it into the gold. So I, I recognized that. And when I went into the next assignment in Hawaii, that's where it all clicked. So I, I applied that lesson that I learned as a major and just drove it home as a lieutenant colonel. And I've been driving it home ever since. <laughs> I love I, this. And you talk about word sculpting. What do you mean when you say word sculpting? So imagine that you are a sculptor and you're in Paris, the hat and the hammer and the chisel, pardon my broken hand. And you've got this, this eight foot chunk of marble in front of you. Because you're a master sculptor, you know the image that's dormant in that marble. I mean, you see it there. Word sculpting is the same thing, except instead of having the marble, you've got your first draft. So sentence by sentence, you apply my 10 word sculpting tools and you chisel out the wasted words, the redundancies, the words that hog space, the bureaucratic bladder, and, and so forth. Now, can I explain one or two of these tools? Yeah, let's do it. it it's, so, it's so much fun. The, the one I really love explaining is verbs are your friends, rely on them. Mm. So imagine a hard-boiled egg. Got it? Now, now make the hard-boiled egg six foot tall and focus on the yolk. The yolk is the verb. The white stuff is how we suffocate verbs now in bureaucratic blather. So for example, has a constraining effect on equals constraints. Place an emphasis on equals emphasize. Provide support equals support. Demonstrate validity, validate, provide warning, warn. So sentence by sentence, find the real verb, get rid of all that white stuff. And that's one tool to be able to make your writing concise and crisp. 
Another one uh, is useless words, identify, chisel, and discard. So that would be like provide with, you don't ever have to, you never have to say with, you provide me the opportunity, I provide you information, never have to say with. On a daily basis, how often do we hear that on a daily basis, on a monthly basis? You never have to say on a blank basis, just monthly, daily, mm-hmm. weekly, all right? So that's another way to chisel out all these useless words. Um, and why why do we use these useless words when we write? Because no one has taught you not to. There's a good <laughs> double negative. No one has taught you not to do that. So here, here's another thing I wanted to share with your listeners. The, the, the fundamental principle of what I teach. Okay, now I'm a visual person. Imagine a white rectangle about an inch tall and maybe six inches wide just a white rectangle, outline it in black. The point behind that that visual is that every author, whether you're fact or fiction, whether you're writing for Congress or you're writing a blog, every author is constrained by two things. You're constrained by time, knock, knock, what do you want? I'm busy, okay, and space. So the space could be either a demarcated area on a government form where you're physically limited or the words above the fold in a web page or a grant that says you've got 250 words to submit your your proposal or give me a one sentence, 120 characters to summarize your article, okay? So that little white white box now superimpose the, the word opportunity, all right? So the author who best leverages the reader's time and the available space wins. So the time and space equals opportunity to make your message. And that's why writing with concise precision is so important. So so get to the point and get to the point in a in a concise way. I like some of the things that you say, especially when when you were talking about the verbs. So Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about when you write using passive voice versus active voice. Oh, okay. That falls in my in my word sculpting tool number two, which is is uh, don't hog space. Don't use words that hog space because passive voice hogs space. And here's an example. The U.S. faces many uh, financial challenges. Okay, there are a number of challenges faced by the U.S. Okay, there are a number of challenges faced by the U.S. Uh, You go for who is doing what to whom. In that sentence, uh, there is, okay, and there are, those are uh, useless words, by the way, but the real subject is the U.S. The U.S. faces challenges. That's right. So they don't receive the action, they are giving the action. Yep. So not only do you get more of an active voice there, you also get rid of the wasted words of there is. So that's another thing in useless words. Wherever there's a sentence that has there is, there are, there's almost always a good subject and verb hiding. So look for it. Yes. I like that. I like that. The other thing when I'm working with writing and and teaching writing, one of the things that I like to say too is like when people for businesses, a lot of times you'll see like, we help our clients to achieve. Like, do you help them 
or are you actually getting your clients to achieve that, right? So it's like, it's like this almost like passive aggressive approach, like own it. Like if you do something, own it. If you, you know, get that result, then say you get it, like just own it. Yeah, now, now along those lines, when I'm teaching my workshops on resume, one of my strategies, remind me to talk about a triangle, okay? All right, one of my strategies is emphasize the what first and then the how. So here's an example. And this was this was a resume bullet. Developed and implemented a new marketing strategy, period. That was the bullet, all right? So there's two things wrong with that. First of all, it doesn't say the so what. What's the impact? So we're going to finish that bullet. Developed and implemented a new marketing strategy that catapulted sales 30% this month alone. Okay, yes. so that's a strong bullet, but it's still wrong. So here's strategy number two is hit the what and then the how. We all tend to think sequentially. We think chronologically. That's how you get developed and implemented the, the strategy that. But when you're writing powerfully, you start with the what. Catapulted sales, 30% this month alone, boom, okay, by developing and implementing a new marketing strategy. So there's, yes. two, there's two things there. One is you've got to hit the impact and then you've got to make sure that you, you lead with a strong right cross. And that would be, <laughs> what did you, what did you do? And then how did you do it? Yes. I so, love that. These are just, I've got so much that I share in my workshops and, and to, to groups or private counseling in the book, but this is what I've learned over 50 years of writing. So aside from like business, how can someone kind of apply this in their personal life? Oh, easy. Blogs. Again, you think back, even, even readers of blogs are busy. So, and fiction, I love fiction, but my available time to read a book is like minimal. <laughs> so, so when I pick up a book, it had better be worthy of my time. So there I, I laud Daniel Silva and Dean Koontz and Diana Gabaldon, because those authors know how to make every single word count. So I have a workshop that I wrote for authors of fiction. It's called Spin That captivating tale, right, to influence. And again, and in that, I give examples of, of fabulous writing, right, like this. And then I also give examples of, of passages from other authors, names not attributed. And then I apply my word sculpting tools to those paragraphs. And I show people how you can take the same thought in the paragraph, say it in half as much space and give it twice as much punch. So it applies also to email, both personal and business. In a business email, for example, that subject line is prime territory. If you have an action or if you need to alert the reader, the opening word in the subject line should be action. And then instead of just telling the story in paragraph form, you outline it. Here's what I require. Here's when it's due. And then here's all the background information. So you're basically pre-digesting the message for the reader. You're helping them to help you by being able to quickly understand what your message is so they can respond to you appropriately. If you have three questions, number them. One, two, three. So you don't make them dig for the information. The harder they have to dig, the less likely you are to get a response that you need. Yes, I like that. And I wonder too, like how we can maybe apply these methods, even like if we're journaling to ourselves, because it's almost like we can use our thoughts 
through writing in a, in a more powerful, actionable way. Exactly. So another one of the strategies I call is don't bury the golden nugget. And this feeds back again to if, if the reader has, has X amount of time and it's fleeting, put the most important information up front and then you follow it with the background, the background data. And here's how I discovered that. I was a division chief in the Pentagon and on military appraisals, you know, the performance reviews, there's a paragraph about job description. Well, job description was very impactful in who does and doesn't get promoted. So I had a group of people, their job was to give daily briefings to four-star generals, all right? Big deal, big impact. The problem was in this very boring paragraph about what they did, <laughs> right in the middle of it was the fact that they gave daily briefings to the chief of staff of the Air Force. That one sentence was buried in the middle of blah, 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 did this really cool thing, blah, 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 blah. So I rewrote the job description. That's where I recognized the, the, the idea of don't bury the golden nugget. Put that up first, up front, and then follow with the lesser information. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I love this. Let's go back to the triangle. Okay. Tell us about the triangle. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I teach people to write, think in terms of an inverted triangle. Okay. Inverted. Uh, you have to start off with strategizing your message. And I've got an entire, uh, the first quarter of the book is here are the strategies to, to develop your message. I, I've mentioned a couple of them already, like, like uh, the golden nugget. Okay. So you strategize the message first, and that gives you your draft. And then the bottom part, the pointy part of the bottom part of the triangle are the word sculpting tools. So once you strategize the message, once you've got that draft, then you apply the word sculpting tools. So between the strategizing and the tools, that's how you get the powerful product. But you can strategize all you want and end up with six pages of, of ran, rambling, okay, strategies, good stuff, but you're gonna lose the reader. On the other hand, you could have 10 beautifully word sculpted sentences, but if there's no strategy, if there's no underlying message, that's not good either. So you have to have a two-pronged approach, strategy first, and then you hone it to that fine point. Yeah, that's great. And this is kind of how your book is structured, right? So yep. like the first section of your book is strategies to influence. Mm -hmm. And then the second section is your word sculpting tools. Yep. And then your third section is how to apply it. And there's a couple of yep. sections after so, that. Yep. So the third section is where is where I apply all of that to resumes, presentations, elevator speeches, college essay applica uh, college application essays, and other daily uses of writing like this. Something else I wanted to mention is on my webpage, I wrote three free, F-R-E-E, ebooks. <laughs> uh, they're called Write to Win a Standout Resume, Write to Win a Performance Review, because people are so uncomfortable when the boss comes and says, it's time for your performance review. Give me some input. So I've got an entire free book on that. And then the third one is right to win a grant submission. Yes. So, so those are all available on my website. You know, my goal is to help people as much as possible. It, it's empowering others to open those doors to opportunity. 
Yes, and they can get that at righttoinfluence.net. Just yep. wanted to point that out and we'll definitely put it in the show notes as well. So I like the approach, the inverted triangle, because I feel like it takes the stress off a little bit. Like just get your draft out there, right? Like just do the brain dump, get, and then we can refine it to yep. make sure that your writing is influential and you get what you want out of it. And I think that no matter what it is that you do in life, at some point you're going to find your that you're going to have to articulate or write something out, even if it's just to give, you know, I was just thinking in my mind, uh, my boyfriend just gave a speech, unfortunately, at his aunt's funeral recently, but you know, he's not, he doesn't consider himself a speaker, but what did he have to do before he gave that speech? He had to write it, Mm -hmm. right? So even in unfortunate situations, but at some point in life, you are going to have to articulate something through your writing. So that's amazing. Yep. And I'm going to dovetail on that because before you write it, and this is what I I foot stomp this thing in, in the strategy section, you have to outline it. People don't outline anymore. But if you think back to my little white rectangle and opportunity, outlining is critical because it enables you. It's like a forced savings plan or it's like the itinerary that that you would use to take your your family on a a cross-country road trip. Outlining forces you to identify what the key points are that you want to hit. It forces you to... uh, properly apportion the amount of time or space to each one of these points. It also makes sure that your conclusion correlates to the beginning. And then when you've got the draft, you've got your your draft now, you compare the draft to the outline and you make sure that you hit all those points. And you also look at the draft and see, was there information that snuck into it that is tangential, that distracts from the message? If so, cut it. If it doesn't, then then keep it. But the, the outline helps you in the beginning and the end of the writing process. Yes, so good. It's like your roadmap, right? Like you didn't just sit down and start. You know, there's this advice that I hear people give authors all the time and it kind of makes my skin crawl is they'll say like, oh, just take... 30 minutes a day and just start writing 30 minutes a day. And before you know it, you have your book done. And I just, it makes me cringe because it's like, you didn't just sit down and start writing 30 minutes a day. No, you outlined your book first. You developed what your table of contents were. You identified the points that you were going to make in each section and in each chapter. And then you started to write. So in everything that you write, whether it's a blog or for Congress, you are the tour guide and you are taking your audience on a journey. Love so that. You, you have to make sure that you've got the beginning and and the stepping stones to get them to the conclusion and that you don't lose them along the way. That's actually word sculpting tool number nine. There are all sorts of ways that you can inadvertently lose your reader. And, and I've got all sorts of examples on here's here's how you don't do that. <laughs> and there's 10, right? 10 word sculpting, 10 word sculpting together. Yeah, I'm gonna just gonna read them off real quick. I know we're not gonna dive into all of them. I do wanna read them off. So useless words, shorter is better, redundancy, lead with the basics, verbs are your friends, avoid gibberish, tethers, be clear, keep the focus, and then final steps, which is revise, edit, and proofread. Yep. Yes, I and love those, this. Those I are love all this. so easy. And the beauty, the beauty of this is you learn how to do it once and it applies to reports, to resumes, to grant submissions, to it applies to everything. 
And and let me let me hit the uh, that number ten. Revise, edit, and proofread are three distinct steps. People often don't know that. There is a distinct set of functions that comes with each one of those items. Now, I, I do, I, I produce a twice monthly newsletter. Surprise, surprise, they're short, sweet, and to the point because I value my readers' times. Uh, <laughs> last, the last one is an in-depth look at, at here's how you revise. And then the one I'm writing now that will come out this next weekend is, is the editing. Here are the editing essentials dot dot a how-to checklist so if any of your readers would like to obtain you know get on my email list it's carla at right to influence.net but i spend a tremendous amount of time putting these these newsletters together because i want to make sure i put out high quality information to help the readers but that's what i'm focusing on now is the revision and the editing and the next one up is proofreading awesome yeah and they can it looks like they can sign up uh, for the newsletter on your website as well yep. in the upper yep. left hand corner so i've already clicked on it and when we get off this podcast i'll fill out this short very short form Name an email address and uh, get on that newsletter. How would you define happiness? How would I define happiness? Something that makes you smile. Hmm. I like that. I like that. And in how would you say that writing makes us happier? Well, for me, a lot of this is it's in my soul. It's it's in me. It, it's like stories that are demanding to be told. I have to get it out. I had to write the book. I had no choice. I had to write the book. It simply refused to be unwritten, if that makes sense. <laughs> and, and so a lot of these newsletters and a lot of the, the workshops that I do, it, it's there's this well and it, it has to come out. So, so that's how writing makes me happy, depending on what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to get that entrance into a selective college and you write that killer essay, you know, happiness is knowing, is knowing that you nailed it and then it's going to help you achieve the goal. Yes, I like that. Okay, last question. And it's a question I ask all the guests. It's a two-part question. Uh, the first part of this question is, if you only had seven more days left to live, what would you do? I would promulgate what I'm doing as much as possible. Oh, great answer. And if uh, you only had seven more days left to live and all we had left was your voice, what is the last bit of advice that you would give the world? Write powerfully because it'll change your life. Awesome. Carla, thank you so much for unlocking happiness with us today. And they can find you at righttoinfluence.net. And if they want to get a copy of your book, can they get it from the website? Where can uh, they find uh, the book? Just go directly to Amazon or Barnes and Noble. It's, it's there. Awesome. Carla, thank oh, you so much. You're very, very welcome. I love talking to you. You've got positive energy too, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Unlocking Happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. 
To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.